Hey, welcome to VG Please, everybody. A hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. Once again, back with you. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Well, Peter, it's uh, it's been another traumatizing week here on on our slogging through a Voyager. How you holding up, man? How you doing? That's hard, man. I had to get a cane. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm pushing it's, a walker it's... now. This is a. Uh, I feel like Batman. I feel like uh, Bruce Wayne in the. Uh, the last Batman movie where, you know, he's got to go see Lieutenant Dangle at the hospital and find out all his knees are banged up and he's not going to be able to jet ski anymore. <laughs> I forgot that that guy was from Reno 911. I saw a really, ah, uh, gosh, I saw an interview with him um, and it was a really good interview and they talked about that and how it just completely blindsided him when his agent's like, hey, you want to be the next Batman movie? He's like, What? <laughs> Hey, well, you know what? You take the work it's handed to you, particularly when it's a movie that like a, a hundred cojillion people are going to watch and going to be like, hey, isn't that the guy from Reno 911? What is he doing? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of that guy. And of course, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, all the way back to the state, uh, he consistently delivers and, and I like him. Same here. He was also good in his, his brief role in uh, I Love You, Man. Didn't catch that one. Oh, dude, solid movie. I mean, like we're going to have to have to some find some more things to talk about than art this episode because I'm not looking forward to that. You know, kvetching with you, my friend Peter, about any other topic. I'm happy to record a podcast about that today. But if I have to talk about this miserable ass fucking episode, I'm I might run screaming out the door. Well, before we get to our own podcast uh, last weekend, <clears throat> you read some mail that we picked up a new listener named Soren, and he dropped some info on us. He dropped some truth on us that we are not, in fact, the only Voyager podcast out there. There are other people who hate themselves so much that they want to go through and do a episode-by-episode review of Voyager, and uh, I've been pretty careful to try and avoid other Star Trek podcasts. The temptation's been there for me to listen, but I've always been afraid that, you know, if I start listening, inevitably other people's work is going to worm its way into ours. But I, I was curious. So I reached out and I spent way more time in trying to get Apple iTunes configured than I should have. I hate iTunes. I was very <laughs> mad that I had to put like an hour into trying to get my stupid Apple ID to work again. <clears throat> but I found these other podcasts and all that hard work I put in to try and find these other podcasts was poorly invested to say the least yeah i i'm i'm i was happy you did the work and and sent me some links and and i guess i was a little surprised to hear that there was i guess the extent of the fact that there were so many other people that that are doing this there's like a, a few other podcasts that have done episode reviews of the show um, I didn't know there wasn't so many self-loathing people on the internet, but I guess I shouldn't have been. Um, but like you, uh, I was, I don't know if I was encouraged or I was, I was saddened by the lack of quality because let's face it, you and I were amateurs. No doubt about it. This is a hobby for us, but we're not bad. We're, we're B plus. We're B plus podcasters, Peter. And modest too. <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's part of the charm. 
And, uh, you know, I thought that anybody else that was going to be in this space, maybe they wouldn't be quite as good as us with our natural chemistry and interplay born of a decade of, of friendship between us and prior podcasting experience. But, you know, somewhere in that ballpark where, you know, a little editing gets, gets, gets that tightness that you might otherwise, uh, might, uh, not be able to naturally produce. I was, uh, I was disappointed to see that that is not the case. I think that, first of all, I'm glad that the internet's a big open free place. I'm glad that everybody can find what it is they're looking for and, and latch onto it. And to the, you know, hundred or so you guys out there listening to our bullshit, we're glad to have you. We're glad you were able to find us and hope that, you know, you bring other kindred souls into this little affair we got going on here. Uh, and I'm glad that people who would hate what we're doing uh, don't have to listen to us and that there is a place for them to go and, and get, you know, <laughs> their fellow Star Trek Voyager podcasts. Uh, that being said, uh, the other products out there, uh, <laughs> not my cup of tea, man. It's uh, yeah, I, it's I, it's either and it's strange for me to say this. They're either too bitter about everything. Like they're trying too hard to be like cool. I think being like, oh, the show's bad, so I just got to be like, talk about how much it sucks all the time. Or they're just they're just giving it a just a, a handy, just just going nuts on it. Sounds uh, like you listened to more podcasts than I did. I only briefly touched on two. One had way too much talking and I don't know commercial appeal to it. Maybe in the other one, my litmus test was. All right, let me see if these guys calibrate and if Joe and I are just crazy on this. Obviously, we disagree a fair amount. And I think uh, last week's episode was a good example of that. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to take the best we've seen so far, Eye the Needle, and I jump over to this episode on uh, one of the other podcasts. And, man, they're just like ragging on it and shitting all over for like the the most trivial of reasons. And I bailed on that fucking thing after like, I don't know, two minutes. I was like, I, these people are crazy. I'm going to start an internet fight. I don't need any part of this. I'm out. <laughs> well, you know, our our truths might be too biting for some people to hear. And they need, they need safe spaces to retreat to, Peter. And those safe spaces are out there. But if you want the raw truth, both the good and the bad, strap yourself in. This is this is where you need to be. This is podcast central for you. And if you haven't already figured that out, I'd like 25 episodes in or what the fuck this is going to be. I don't know how many more hours of this we got to do. Uh, but uh, that's what that's our brand. As many as it takes. Flip side of that, uh, I watched something I did really like, and that was that Toys That Made Us episode. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah, uh, I watched that on your recommendation. The whole series. This is this Netflix series of Toys That Made Us last uh, season one was like, G.I. Joe, He-Man, uh, Barbie, and something else. And they just put out season two. and epi Oh, Star Wars. Yeah, obviously Wars, the biggest yeah. one, Star Wars. And then uh, episode one of season two is uh, Star Trek. And it was really good. I, I liked it a lot. I got a couple screen grabs of it. I threw up on, uh, I don't know, one of the Facebook groups. I was a little disappointed that they didn't spend more time talking about the Playmate stuff. That's obviously the toy line that I really came up with. Um, I, they, they, um, I think the more interesting story was the TOS toys and how it, you know, at first it had just like the most ridiculous 
product attached to it because it was literally just normal toys with a Star Trek sticker on it, including that like goofy ass helmet with like a that had a siren on it or something. Yeah, I saw that. I did those model kits, those early model kits of TOS. There's actually a hobby store that still sells those. It still has some of those near where I live. Original? Yeah, original. I'll tell you what, man. They uh, started showing after Playmates, a company called Art Asylum, who later became Diamond Selects, got the license. And they redid a bunch of the starships. And uh, I started looking at the Enterprises, the Enterprise toy ships I had. These things are like 60 to 100 bucks. And they're legit looking. And... uh, I'm getting ready to buy a house, so I don't think I need to be digging into house savings for uh, three different versions of the Enterprise, but that might be what happens here if my wife looks the other way. Well, hey, man, you and I, you know, just to, to share a little bit of our, our our real life side conversations, I understand you just recently found yourself a revised Underground Sea Magic the Gathering card, and that's that sounds like, a, that sounds like an Enterprise D to me. That seems fair trade. That might be, yeah. Apparently, if you didn't know, uh, all your old magic cards from like third edition, Ice Age, and <laughs> is there any Fallen Empire card worth a shit? No, yeah, Fallen Empire is still worth nothing. But uh, I, and, and a, a move that will probably surprise no one. I've I've often on played Magic for you know twenty five years, but uh, I've always been super attracted to the business side of it. I have an MBA, so this is just something that nerd stuff and finance has been my thing and uh magic prices have gotten spiked huge uh particularly for cards that for one reason or another are hard to find and it turns out many of my friends including peter here have been sitting on some uh potentially four digit paydays so uh i think you just bought yourself the big d my friend maybe that bitcoin's now working i i told you about bitcoin right yeah did you have some of that I had a guy I worked with and he's like, oh, you got to check out this Usenet site. It's so good. And he's like, he's really hyping me hard on Usenet. And this is, I don't know, 2010, maybe 2011. I don't know. And uh, this Usenet site, you had to use Bitcoin to buy and it cost $10. So it was such, it was a week worth of hassle of trying to get Bitcoin at all back then. Finally, I bought $10 worth of it. And in that week, the price had fluctuated. So where I bought was not what Bitcoin was worth anymore. <clears throat> and I ended up with, I don't know, 47 cents left over in this Coinbase wallet or whatever. <clears throat> and last year, I went and finally checked it. And that 47 cents, it turned into like uh, $1,400. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. And all I could think is, man, if I still had that $10, like the full $10. Because that fucking website I bought... They closed up shop two weeks after they got the money. They, they went out of business for, you know, piracy or some bullshit. Well, I mean, if you're if you're on a Usenet site using Bitcoin, I'm going to presume it was probably some bullshit they were involved with. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that 47 cents. Big money. Hey, um, good, good, good for you. Finding money now, left and right. Now that all the fun, good stories have been told, let's... <laughs> Let's we, talk about season two, episode nine, tattoo. Okay, listeners, we gave you like 12 solid minutes of not talking about this. We did that for you, and you need to thank us. Bullshit, I did that for me. <laughs> All right, 
I'm going to start with saying something nice about this. I like this. All, right. all right. Let's you want to make that a new thing is like when we've got the episodes that are really, yeah. really bad. We just let's start with let's start with something nice. Okay. Because otherwise it's going to it's just there's going to be no light in this darkness. The overall like story outline, which apparently they purchased, which makes sense to me now. Is not itself a bad idea. Like if you told me, hey, we're going to do it's the mid 90s. So the alien astronaut thing is a fucking huge deal. You know, like that. I know that the aliens guy on History Channel turned into a meme, but this was this was a, a hot pseudoscience theory in the 90s and basic cable was rife with like reruns of Leonard Nimoy narrating in search of and shit like that. Like, so this was a this was a fun story idea for Star Trek that they've kind of done in the past anyway. Going to do it again. And also the idea of Chakotay. Like not really uh, being 100 percent into his this whole Indian thing like we that we find that out about him that could potentially be interesting it's just that this is a failure to implement that idea at every conceivable level do i get to say something nice yes i think that the voyager crew did a really really good job taking a shuttle down to a planet's surface and not crashing in the process. <laughs> Good job, everybody involved. Um, Chakotay, you get a gold star for piloting. He, though the, the shuttle like might have gotten banged up in the, while it was on the ground. They, they landed successfully, but it may not have been undamaged by the time they left. So not, right, so- not a gold star. Now that uh, we've got that out of the way, here comes the truth. We open up this scene to, uh, believe it or not, the crew of Voyager mucking around in some rocks in what appears to be, you guessed it, a Southern California park quarry. <laughs> and you get treated to some real fresh uh, Chakotay bullshit Indian flute, like right out of the gate. 90 seconds in, tracked it. Uh, if anybody cares what the story is here. The and at our 15 minute mark, let me go ahead and say right now, don't watch this fucking episode. This is a terrible episode. Nothing of real value comes out of this. And you're just going to come out cringing probably as much as I did. The, you know, Voyager is running low on some sort of supply. They can't replicate it. Some sort of bondo they need to keep the warp nacelles from blowing up. I don't know. And and they're trying to mine this stuff. And as they go ahead and and knock around on this planet, they find this symbol on the floor and Chakotay recognizes it. God, when do they even start with the flashbacks? Immediately. So it's in that, it's in that pre-credit sequence where she, he sees it and that's when you get your first flashback. So it's important to state for people who may not be watching every episode along with us, but are still listening to the podcast that the episode is interspersed consistently with the present and then flashbacks to essentially a a hiking trip that Chakotay and his dad and a few others took in a South American jungle in the past when he was a whiny teenager. And 
first and foremost, as bad as Robert Beltran is as an actor, they found someone so much worse to play teenage Chakotay. It's like it was a fucking requirement to find a kid who's like, well, you look like you have talent. We can't have you show it. We can't have a, a young Chakotay who's a better actor than old Chakotay. We got we to gotta show that there was growth, that what we have now is an improvement. And they found just the worst fucking guy to play young, spindly, teenage, whiny Chakotay. His dad, as you mentioned, is also in these scenes too. And I want to say that if we're going to throw another round of nice comments out about this episode, that when his the actor portraying his father is out of focus, this dude is like a dead ringer for a mashup between Anthony Hopkins, Christopher Walken, and Robin Williams. It is uncanny. I'll get a screenshot of that and put it up on the group. <laughs> it's magic. I'll get it. I'll get a good one too. It won't even be a picture with my phone. Uh, so yeah, you've got three stories going on here by the time all said and done in this episode. You've got Chakotay's intergalactic hiking trip as a child. You've got the the present situation they're going to get themselves into and then we'll get into the doctor drama here in a little bit but uh this is uh this is going to turn into a big chakotay backstory uh episode that nobody asked for so he sees this symbol on the ground while they're on this planet he realizes he's seen this symbol somewhere else before like earth that something is afoot and they have a pretty soft uh roll to credit and they bring us back, and Chakotay has uh, cornered Janeway for some close talking and starts telling her that he's seen the symbol on Earth, and I, he's, he's, like, real cheeky about the whole thing. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, close talking. They, they have this scene, I think, in Chakotay's quarters. And yes, you can tell by the terrible a, drapes on the walls. Yes, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a big room. And for whatever reason, these two, uh, they're not leaving a lot of space between them in this conversation. There's no polite distance. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, intimate uh, inside the the one foot bubble. Close talking is is going on. And Chakotay relates that he didn't want to be on that trip. And indeed, when we see the flashbacks, whiny teenage Chakotay is very very clearly being a stereotypical whiny teenager being dragged along by his father doing something and a apparently Indians in the 24th century are like space Amish and uh, B Chakotay is not into the Indian stuff that we see in the past which I think it was the one interesting thing they could have done with this episode was explore with with greater competence the idea that Chakotay, for most of his life, did not give a shit about all this and really got into it only after his father died uh, against the uh, the Cardassians and therefore he's kind of adopted in honor of him and going someplace interesting with that. Because as far as we've seen so far in the show it has given this distinct impression that he has been like a lifer into this Indian spirituality thing that's super important to him. And he's got like vision quests that he takes people on and all this other stuff. And this episode portrays him as being like a tourist almost in, in it. And he's kind of sloppily reapplied himself 
to his cultural identity uh, in the absence of his father. And they don't really do anything with that at all. They, it just, ha- it just happens to be uh, interwoven into the fabric of this episode yet goes uncommented on by everybody that knows him and barely is commented on by Chakotay himself when it comes to the climax of the episode. It's part of the structural deficiency of taking what was a decent idea and just fucking it right into the dirt. I hated this episode. Uh, Like I said, it was real cringy. I was embarrassed for the people in this episode, and I was very disappointed to see the, the pride that the production figures had in what ended up coming out here. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you say cringy, what really got you? All right. So let's jump to the end. Ultimately, the people that he is going after and, you know, because they're on planet one, they end up at planet two because they follow some faint warp trails or whatever. And the assumption is, you know, maybe the material they were looking for that was on this planet has been relocated to this other planet. And they they go over and they find that there's aliens there. And uh, the, the big revelation at the end is that these aliens had traveled all the way into the Alpha Quadrant thousands of years ago and made first contact with uh, Chakotay's ancestors. And uh, if you're familiar with the term, or with a mass effect uplifting, it's what the Krogan had done to them by the Salarians, where you have a more advanced race come in and basically force upgrade you, right? So these aliens like imprinted on these Neanderthal humans, uh, this specific tribe, and gave them this whole fairy tale existence of you know you're the chosen people and you're going to be the protectors of this planet blah 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 and superior and all this horse shit um and i felt that it really just you know completely guts any of the interesting stuff out of this native culture anything that you might have been able to attribute and say you know if you really were buying into all this stuff like cool hey we built this ourselves and we are the you know product of our own uh, we're the fruits of our own efforts. Basically saying that, no, you guys were just a bunch of jabronis. Uh, aliens came and anything good about you, we made you. And at the end of the day, you guys are just fabricated end product that aliens made. And that the culture you've been so proud of and all these, you know, quote unquote, Indian traditions. No, man, that's just all something we gave you. And, uh, you know, you guys didn't really accomplish anything on your own. And it just... Imagine if it had been flipped like so, uh, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago in the mid 90s, the alien astronaut theory was a pet theory all across science, television and science fiction. It was just the hot the hot thing to have a a TV show that talked about. And so Star Trek actually already did it. I remember uh, TNG. There was a whole episode about like the origin of all the life in the Alpha Quadrant, basically all the humanoids. Yes. Yeah, which is a very species. bold, a very bold episode in that that episode specifically. And I want to say it's kind of a bottle episode. It is because they never talk about it again. They it's really interesting. It. And it basically says all religion on Earth is pure bullshit. There is no God. No, no Allah, no nothing. And you guys are just a science project that we seeded the galaxy with 
again, I mean, it's a little bit to... more. It's it's. I mean, that episode of TNG is a little bit more. There's the ending is a little bit more up, uplifting, yeah. simply because the, the progenitor species, which looked suspiciously like the the look they went with for the changelings, and there's been a lot of fan theory about that, um, is that hey, we did this because we were alone. And we know what's going to happen, though, that by the time that you've evolved, you may think you're different, but really come from this commonality. And it would be so amazing if if you all understood that that you have so much more in common, you have different. And it was this 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 sort of peace and harmony message. And of course, the 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 backsliding happens immediately, essentially, with all the races that were competing with each other to find those Ferengi. I don't think Cardassians in there. Uh, no, it was, it was or... the Cardassians, the Klingons, the Romulans, and the humans uh, were all competing with each other uh, to get there. And then it's actually the Romulans in the end who contact Picard and were like, you know, maybe someday we can come this far as as the you know our progenitors may have suggested that we'd be. They leave you of, of all the species there. You know, the Romulans are the ones that you would not expect to do that. And they're the ones that kind of reach out and go like, hey, maybe someday this will work out. And I I couldn't help but obviously think about that episode while watching this because, A, it was so much better. And B, it covers some intri- like some of the same ground. So I didn't mind that they did that. I didn't mind that they had an alien uh, uh, astronaut episode. It's just that they could have flipped it where they were inspired by who they found there. Yes. Rather than the other way around. The cringe point to me is that they they make it racial and they pick this, you know, this native tribe specifically. And they it just I don't know if I want to call it benevolent racism, but just the whole thing just comes out like you've got, you know, Chakotay's heritage, which has just been molested. No end. And I want to talk about that for a minute here. Like, what the fuck is he really supposed to be? I think they've got no clear identity for what this tribe is because everything up to this point i had been under the assumption that we're talking about like native american like you know northern tribes and in this they kind of just i don't know we're like oh no you you thought we were talking about like cherokee or or what no 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 this is uh he's a central american uh rubber man yeah he's a rubber tree people that's the actual name the rubber the rubber men the rubber people I want to avoid talking about this episode chronologically because it's going to be depressing. Yeah. So so let's focus in on some stuff. So it, let, let's look at his flashbacks as a complete event, right? You've right. got his family, which has relocated to the Bajoran, you know, the, the Cardassian border. And his home world would ultimately come into, uh, you know, diplomatic chaos as what the Federation ceded uh, rights to the planet, gave it to the Cardassians and Cardassians try to say, you know, get the fuck off the planet. They fight back and here, you know, we've got the Maquis angle. So prior to those wars breaking out, his family decides that they're going to hoof it back to earth and take a big, long hiking trip. And his dad's essentially trying to bond with the son over this. The son wants nothing to do. The son, we'll we'll later find out, has been talking to none other than uh, Captain Sulu with the Excelsior, who has said that, you know, I will sponsor your admission to 
the Federation to the, you know, Starfleet and, and, you know, start working on this and you can basically leave your family's culture behind. They're trudging through the jungles of South America and they start seeing signs of this tribe of what's, I don't know how to say Aboriginal, but, you know, these people who have avoided all of civilization and all temptations of technology for hundreds of years into the 24th century and they're thousands living in of the, years i mean they're they're por- they're portrayed as as living you know stone age lives you know they're portrayed as living not even iron working you know uh that level of of total uh non-contact with technology so they find this the symbol they know they're on the right path and eventually Chakotay's dad leads him into a clearing where they kind of see some huts and stuff. And his dad makes a call, hey, let's disarm because for whatever reason, well, I don't know, I guess if you're in the jungle, there might be animals and stuff. But I can't think of a reason in the 24th century to have guns as you're trudging around. I don't even think it'd be illegal. <laughs> I can't see the new world order of the Federation being cool with dudes just rolling around with phaser rifles. So he has everybody put their, their guns in a pile in the middle. And I will point out, this is like the only thing I put like real effort into in this episode because it was so bad. Those rifles that his uh, dad's crew was rolling with, did you get a good look at those? Uh, I did notice that the phasers in the flashback were noticeably like of the older design. No, those phaser rifles, rifles, those phaser rifles were specifically uh, the same phaser rifles that the 37s uh, guys used when they ambushed Starfleet as they were coming out of the, the frozen food section. Of course. Got to reuse those props. Yeah, I think they're also Frangy. Well, whatever. So they, these guys start coming out of the woods and instantly get a good look at the, the, the rubber tree people. And these guys are like straight up fucking aliens. Like I, this is the, the part that I couldn't get over until, of course, the, the crappy ending or whatever. But these guys have like prosthetics all over their face. They've got like these completely flat bridge nose. They've got these huge brows. They got like ridges on their forehead. Um, they almost look like old school original series Klingons. I so that confused me. I didn't know if it was just that they were supposed to to be aliens, or they were supposed to be just like genetically distressed, like, and they just were kind of f kind of weird looking because they've been like you know their gene pool is diminished too much, and now they've got some weirdo. Uh, inbreeding features going or something i don't know like what were they going for there it didn't quite strike me as alien because they all didn't look like that like the main dude no they did all look like that i mean they were very clearly not were they dude it was just so fucking i I, hey i believe you i it was so confusing to me i'm watching it again i got to watch this one with actually with with jess our super fan and um, i'm sorry to hear that jess that you got dragged into this fucking episode yeah, she she actually left with a gift with me. A, um, it's a it's a Star Trek: The Next Generation kite. It's the Enterprise D kite I've that she just randomly found. I'm gonna go fly me a freaking kite. It's gonna be awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, it was. It's like everything else in this episode. The implementation of what they were trying to do was just baffling. It was just it was just dumb. So like, what are these guys? What like seriously? Are we supposed to accept that in the 24th century? There are super Stone Age, you know, rubber tree people still managing to live in like 
the 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 freaking Amazon. The Earth has had a terrible history. You know, yeah, remember the first episode happened. of Next Generation Encounter at Farpoint, and Q's got like the fucking courtroom and the 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 enforcers with those underarm machine guns that are like doing like coke off zip lines. Uh, Earth has gone through a lot of really bad shit. You've had World War Three. I assume at some point Skynet rose and Terminators kicked the shit out of some people. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, to believe that, you know, these guys have been untouched is is a really long stretch. And again, these aren't humans. By the end, you find out, okay, alien astronauts came along and they, I mean, there would have had to be like some real uh, genetic tinkering going on to give these people the appearance they did. But whatever. Uh, Chakotay's dad you know, Christopher Walken slash Anthony Hopkins slash uh, Robin Williams throws out the secret password for the day. And uh, these tribal people are like, oh, cool. We're going to accept these guys. And they swarm out of the forest and start <laughs> trying to steal everybody's clothes. Chakotay's <laughs> not having any of it, though. So, of course, he's George. He's going to be really upset. Hey, I'm not going to give young Chakotay any shit on this. If a bunch of crazy... Uh, jungle aliens just crawled out of the woodwork and started pulling on my pants. Uh, I'd exercise caution too. Yeah, not everyone's got that Kirk impulse, I guess. But you know, let me let me offer a different version of this idea that would have been good. So the overall plot is Chakotay and Voyager go on a hunt for these guys. Ultimately, they encounter the aliens. They get the backstory that we've talked about both in flashbacks and then from the aliens themselves about what they did. And Chakotay, you know, obviously easily negotiates a settlement with them to leave Voyager alone, who they're, they're effing with uh, and give them some of the material they need so they can continue on. Um, it ultimately is diminishing to Chakotay. It's diminishing to whatever his cultural identity is supposed to be. Uh, it's poorly acted. It's baffling on essentially every level. And the only enjoyment in the episode comes in a very minor B plot where Robert Picardo overacts having the flu. Untrue. Uh, Untrue. You did not I would like say that? <laughs> the most enjoyable part of this episode, I think, is a two-parter. It's uh, when they're getting the away team mission or the away team crew together, the little bit of like bitchy, sassy Chakotay, I think, boils to the surface as he uh, volunteers Neelix to come down to the surface. And, you know, Chakotay should never want him around because he always just wanders off on his own. And Chakotay not being a complete idiot, knowing that Neelix is going to wander off on his own, I can only assume he's bringing him down there specifically so he does wander off on his own to get hurt. And, uh, yeah, there's this hawk flying around like... <laughs> The fucking hawk swoops down and like fucks Neelix's shit up, man. He like he scratched tries to steal his fucking eye out. It's fucking awesome. This hawk, it's flying around. And this hawk, it's a 1099 subcontractor for the uh the Yuzhan Vong. What the fuck are their name? The, <laughs> the Yuzhan Vong, the, the Vidians. The Vidians. He's out there bounty hunting for organs. He's like, oh fuck, that's Neelix. They loved his lungs. I'ma snatch this fool's eye. And so this hawk swoops in and, yeah, cuts the shit out of his face. And uh, Chakotay runs up with, like, this grin on his face. Is like, mm, knew it happened. And then they beam him off to go get his eye fixed up. That's the best that. part of the episode. They bring they bring Neelix down there and a bird fucks him up. Like, they can't take that fucking filthy space cat 
anywhere. He cannot take him anywhere. Any planet they go to, he gets all gets his lungs stolen. He, he winds up helping give birth to a tiny alien lizard. Fucking bird tries to pluck his fucking eyes out. Like everywhere bird, this guy goes, that bird. Uh, Neelix wasn't the only guy that bird fucks up. I was reading the uh, episode notes, and that bird fucked up like a whole day worth of shooting because they were on site trying to get shots of this bird flying around and the trainer lets it go and the bird sees a crow and it's like oh fuck this and goes after the crow instead of that and it takes him like six hours to find this fucking bird and just delays Jeez. shooting the entire day and like costs him all this money good they deserve to suffer for putting us through this mm -hmm. good i'm glad they wasted their time 25 years ago god damn and so the discussion that Chakotay has with Tuvok, where Tuvok, like, over and over and over again, desperately tries not to disarm himself. Like, there's, there, it's, he, he borders on insubordination to the level of protest that Tuvok gives Chakotay's order to put his phaser down. Because he doesn't want to give his get up. He's got his service nine, and he's not, he's not, he's not wanting his hand off the, the piece, and... Chakotay basically has to say it four times, put the fucking phaser down. Chakotay comes off like a lunatic in this episode, and I don't blame Tuvok at all. Like, watch this no, I, episode I get it too. From, from, you know, if we didn't just have a Space Madness episode, I'd be harping on it harder here. But, like, this dude is hallucinating all over the fucking place. Like, oh, here I am in the Delta Quadrant, and I'm seeing things from home. And look at this. I've beamed down to this juggle, and it reminds me exactly of Central America. And here's this weird uh, tent-like structure. With I don't know if you caught it, but there was like, like you know, uh, when they show like donuts on TV, it's like a silver platter with that glass dome over them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like one of those. Only it's like full of brats that look like sausages in the background. Oh, all the stuff that looks just like, not that. Oh, this is impossible. I can't be seeing the exact same thing in the Delta Quadrant that I saw on Earth. Like he never for a moment doubts. Like, am I going crazy? Oh, hey, by the way, uh, Captain, I'm seeing the image of a man's face in the clouds as, you know, lightning's trying to strike us. <laughs> not am a I stern, a stern Indian man. Not am I going fucking crazy? Uh, you know, am I hallucinating? Am I getting space madness? No, this is all perfectly reasonable. So when he starts, you know, with this, yeah, layer phasers down and, uh, you know, certainly isn't the Vidians who are trying to shoot us with the lung stealing technology or any of the other terrible shit that we encounter. Yeah, Tuvok is 100% justified in fighting him tooth and claw on this. You know, the, the space madness angle, I think it's dispelled a bit since obviously everybody else sees the same shit he's seeing. So it gives confirmation. They see it, but it's not like it dawns on him like, man, well, this he, is... He doesn't like... fucking explain it. That's the thing. Like, he explains it to Janeway at the beginning. Like, this is the thing I saw at this place. You never see him actually explaining... Hey, Tuvok, put your phaser down. Why? Well, when I was, you know, encountered all this shit the last time, that's what solved the problem for us. So given that I'm seeing the same shit I saw the last time, that seems like the best move. So let's go ahead that and do that. That would be a good time also to point out, you know, when they laid their phasers down, the, the 37s phaser rifles with his dad, and like the leader of the rubber people came out, like this guy's like a, minus the alien ridges on his head, this guy was like a dead ringer for Jesus. <laughs> he comes rolling out of the force hands up like like oh i'm rubber jesus christ of the space 
uplifters. Well, that whole scene is just dumb as fuck. It is this stereotypical, oh, we, you know our words. You are, you, you, we are the, the naive primitive people. We are timid and we have, you know, we immediately accept anyone who, who says Akuna Matata to us. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's just that Disney movie level shit. That's it was that's like an insult to Disney movies. The 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 Chakotay phaser scene we're ragging on here too, where you know he's like, "Hey, lay down the weapons." As soon as they do lay down all the weapons, and Chakotay starts like approaching with his hands up like he did before, the winds pick up because these aliens have like uh, Captain They've Planet rings, control powers. Yeah, yeah, so they can you know kick up the winds. So the winds start going nuts. No sooner has uh, Tuvok just lay down his phaser. He just instantly goes for this tricorder on his belt and like pulls it out for what I think anybody else would really assume is like a weapon and starts instantly deducing that this weather is an impossible situation. And they make the decision, we need to go. We need to go right now. We need to run. The wind is picking up and and there might be a rain. And I can only assume that, I don't know, Vulcans are like witches and if water touches them, they're going to melt like uh, uh, Wizard of Oz. So they start booking it out of there. Chakotay gets knocked out by a fucking falling tree. <laughs> Nobody, Balana and uh, Tuvok gently, don't though, seem to... Very gently. Let Churi caress him. yet gently, like your hands. Yes, much like my hands. Very powerful, but gentle. And they run off. They find that the shuttlecraft is gone. And because they are so deathly afraid of some rain coming, they, they beam off and leave not only Chakotay behind, but... All three of them just drop their phasers on the ground. Nobody bothers to pick these fucking things up. And they just leave like three Federation grade super weapons out in the dirt for God knows who to find. I I really wish they had done an episode where the Kazon had been like, no, we don't need your shit anymore. We just been vacuuming, vacuuming up all the pieces of shuttlecraft and random tricorders and phasers. I mean, happen to leave fucking around. We're good now. We're good. Now we've got like super torpedoes. Thanks. It's literally that would have been a fantastic episode. Hey, you've left behind four shuttlecraft and fifteen phasers and twenty six tricorders and uh, you know one of your nacelles or or whatever. I want to jump off topic here. I'm going to tell you how we fix this episode, and this is where I thought we were originally. Oh, I was about to do that too, but yeah, you first. I mean, there's more shit out here that I I got to fucking rag on, and and I'll be happy to get back into it. But right as soon as Chakotay sees the symbol laying on the ground, right, that should be impossible for him to see something from a tribe of Central American Indians, apparently, on Earth in the Delta Quadrant, and that there has been some sort of sentient activity on this first planet where they've been mining a material and ran off right before Voyager showed up. Who have we put out into play in the Voyager universe that has a intimate knowledge of Chakotay's culture and religion and would have motivation to leave behind mocking little picky, you know, pokes at him specifically before dusting off what he wants. Hmm. Well, let me think. Who's in a direct competition for resources with Voyager? Who would be picking up tricorders and shuttlecraft parts? Who would be going out of their way to make things hard for uh, the ship that has thrown mud in their face repeatedly. Hmm. Well, gosh, 
you know, the only kind of person that would have incentive to do that would be like, you Royalty. know, some, somebody that uh, um, maybe previously would have been an intimate partner of Chakotay, maybe had a, a bad ending with with Voyager and the whole crew and is really looking out for number one and also wants to make it personal against her ex-lover. Could that be the Queen of Burns? Oh, you mean Seska? Yeah, I mean fucking Seska, yeah. How was this episode not about this? When they went in the direction of it, I'm like, oh, cool. We're going to get a Seska episode. Maybe they will drag some of this culture and stuff. I can put up with that if I'm going to get to see her fucking, you know, light some people up. And they instead go with the most cockamamie fucking concept humanly possible with. I, I, I was so mad. This could have been a great episode. And. They don't even discuss the fucking potential. Like, shouldn't the first words out of Janeway not been like, oh, what, one of your goofy Indian symbols was on the ground out there and people are taking resources that we specifically need? Could this be your crazy ex, Seska, by any chance? Words that this episode goes nowhere near. That's a great way to script doctor this. The My wife started me down the road of what ended up being my idea while we were watching this. And... About, you know, three quarters of the way in when the whole plot has been revealed, she turned to me and said, how much better would this be if it was Chakotay having to tell them about their past rather than the other way around? And it just struck me of if you flipped the premise of the episode and made the story about how Chakotay never really invested himself in the way that he now wishes he had in his heritage and that he's kind of trying to make up for lost time, but that he's, he's not, he's not really, you know, a lifelong adherent and that they come across these aliens who visited earth centuries ago and encountered his, his ancestors and were like deeply impacted by them and came back and patterned their whole civilization on them. But now they have some kind of crisis of some kind and Chakotay is this figure that, you know, can can they think can solve it for him because he's from Earth and from that tribe. And now he's like, but uh, I, you know, like he's having a crisis of faith almost of like, I can't, you know, my father could have done this. But I can't do this. I took up. I hoisted his his uh, his banner after he died. Like, I'm not I was I was I fucked off on this on this shit when I was a kid. I did not give a damn. and really made a story that was personal growth oriented for Chakotay and still made it an episode about his background. If they just flipped it and given him agency so, and, and made drama out of it. What you're saying is have Chakotay acknowledge that he has never really viewed his religion as legitimate or important that he had been basically phoning it in the whole time, but he didn't have a real personal commitment to it. Right. Well, that he didn't until his father died, and he started to have a commitment to it then, but he just doesn't know enough because he blew it off. I could take you one further and say that, you know, even though he's going off in a shuttlecraft to observe these rituals, that even though he's going through the motions, it's not real to him. It hasn't really clicked yet, and it hasn't become... Right. Yeah, even he better. He hasn't sunk his teeth in, right? And you, you've got two ways to make it real, and one is what they did with this one where it's like, all of the stories were true and sky people did come down and all these, you know, long, this oral history that we have in our tribe is all, 
in fact real god is real it's it's these people or whatever and that you know i can really take this at face value now or what you're saying and it's basically like i never really viewed any of this stuff as real but these people have so much weight in my beliefs that i have now come to get a deep appreciation they've turned to me as a figure of authority to get this culture and to fill in gaps and whatever. And because I never really took it serious because I always half-assed it and telephoned it in. I've effectively just let these people down. Now I have to get real because there is a greater good that depended on me. I failed it and it now be my mission to, to embrace it. That's exactly the kind of story that this could have been and fulfilled its narrative purpose in a way that was meaningful long-term to the character and far more compelling. Instead, it's these long, awkward shots of Robert Beltran looking into the middle distance. It's goofy sci-fi crying Indian after you litter in the sky during lightning bolts. It's bad flashbacks with terrible flashback actors. It's, it's, uh, it's rubber tree people who, were made up to look like aliens, although I'm not sure they were supposed to be aliens while wearing fucking loincloths, like out of a fucking 1960s episode of Star Trek. Um, Just miss after miss after miss after miss and everything they chose to do. Hell, the actor they chose to play the sky person that he spoke to just spoke in the super casual, like New Jersey accent after he got the translator. And I'm like, I want to talk about the translator real quick. The fuck is Uh, this? We've talked about the Universal Translator a few times. Did we establish that the Universal Translator is based in the com badge? Uh, yes, that's the indication from the 37s. So, well, the com badge is, is two things. One, it's, uh, well, three. It's communications. It's a Universal Translator. And also, it's kind of like your lifeline out there. When he gets knocked out by the, prior to him getting knocked out by the tree, the com badge just, like, falls off of his fucking uniform Voyager can't find him with passive sensor sweeps. And then Janeway does the stupidest thing I've seen since last episode when she blew off a security briefing for holodeck time. Decides, you know what? Uh, The transporters aren't working. There's really weird uh, weather on this planet. Instead of just sending out another shuttlecraft to look for Chakotay, let's take the whole fucking ship. This is the third time they've done, they've pulled the fuck it, let's take the whole ship approach. Let's try and beam down that doesn't work. Let's take a shuttlecraft that doesn't work. Fuck it, let's take the whole goddamn ship down. Why third danger, time they've done this. Why endanger only four people on a shuttle when you can endanger everybody on the ship? Anyways, com badges are a pretty big deal. What point, or at least, you know, the, the tracking component of like, what point do you say, hey, Let's just start implanting these in our, our wrists or somewhere in our stomach so they can't just be casually flicked aside and we always know where our guys are. Um, that's, a great, that's a great idea. We should definitely uh, do that. You know, make sign me up, Starfleet R&D. You don't need Harry Kim, you need me. But yeah, so, you know, the Universal Translator for Federation can't decipher Central American native language. Well, he didn't but, have his com badge by then, remember? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. So he did. I mean, that that made sense. It was the accent of the dude that like after he's speaking English that I'm like, Jesus, really? This is what you're going with. You're going with a guy who's probably going to sell me like a, a, a slice of pizza on this uh, in Trenton somewhere like his makeup uh, was terrible. So this 
yeah. lead alien guy. And I, I can't even say it's like, hey, look, you know, now that we're watching in high def, you know, all the bad imperfections that used to be hidden by the camera. Like Voyager on Netflix is still 480 standard definition. It's it's crappy. And this guy's makeup looks like a Halloween costume uh, Dracula. It's like white <laughs> makeup with these uneven black circles that don't really go all the way into like, you know, the under part of the eye. His white makeup is like, been rubbed off where his hairline is halfway down his forehead. It's the work where the shitheads were disgusting. It was still good prosthetically. This is just like amateur hour. This looks like somewhat like a 12th grader did this guy's makeup. Yeah. The difference here is that the shitheads were lots of effort for a terrible result. This is no effort for a terrible result. And uh, I've seen you in cheap Dracula costume, Peter, and I kind of have to agree. You you wore it better. You did. Absolutely. You should do a comparison photo of you in that, that cheap Dracula costume versus these guys. Count Let Sucker Punchula. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Count, 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 Jacula. Stoli- Count, Count Jacula. Jacula. Yes. Count Jacula. So, Lots of nudity in this episode. Yeah, we get uh, we get a, a hint of Chakotay man-ass. That's a body double, I read. Oh, is it? Robert Beltran didn't want his dong flopping around in this episode. <laughs> I, I love it. Like he, so this guy shows up. His that friends was a run body off. Body double? Oh, Jesus, yeah, he's dude. a pussy. Whatever. His friends run off. Show your butt. I know. His friends run off. Leave him behind. There's guns are just laying all over the floor. He won't leave these people's campsite, and he just starts taking off his clothes and then wandering around naked. They get so sick of his shit, they finally leave out some bullshit clothes for him to put on to get his fat ass out of view. What you know? What, whatever. Whatever. This whole episode is. I just don't. I guess what you said it. I think already. They really think that they produced a hit with this. They were happy with this. They came out being like, yeah, we told a really multi-layered story with this and we did a great job. Because I was just so baffled by the end of this. I looked it up and that's where I saw that they bought the story treatment. And then they kept trying to produce this. And then when the end, they're like, yeah, we really liked what we did with that. And Rob Belgium's like, yeah, I turned into a really great performance. Like, what? how divorced from reality are these people that they think this is good? Like, we were just talking about a TNG episode that treads some of the same ground and manages to tell a much more compelling story in the process. And I know it's grading on a curve because they've got, you know, a literal knight playing the captain in that show. And it's like, they're, they're cheating. They're playing with cheat codes. It's like trying to beat Contra, but you know, they get the Konami code, but at the same time, the writing on that was so much more interesting than this. You could have told the story in an interesting way, even with the pieces that you have, if you had had a different direction with the story after you bought the idea and then, you know, give it to somebody that can coax a decent performance out of Robert Beltran, because we've seen that the right directors can do that. Uh, 
I don't know. The, the, the whole point of the story seems to be to tell you why Chakotay has this tattoo over his eye. Of course, at the end, it's because all of these aliens have the tattoo and the people on Earth, the rubber people thought it was a cool tattoo, so they carried it along. And that's why his father started wearing it's it's just a background story completely off its rails. I think it comes off as culturally insulting and it's hard for me to to get to a point where I'm saying that but I just it was making me cringe nonstop. I found it very easy to pause the episode and wander away. It took me about 2 hours to watch this fucking thing. My wife was like, "I feel like you just watched a full movie." She said, "So it just won't end." <laughs> it I dare did. you, it felt Joe. Fucking endless. I dare you to look at this episode and then have the audacity to go back to persistence of vision, which we just watched and reaffirm that in the light of what we, this fucking monstrosity, that persistence of vision was a bad episode for Voyager. Okay. Again, when you say bad episode for Voyager, you, you want to start grading on a curve. That's different than absolute value. It's different than absolute. You can, I'm going to hold pure, my friend. And if it's not good, I'm going to say it's not good. And Persistence of Vision, like I said, it was it, it was it was a it was a soft crack in the ribs. And this is getting stabbed in the fucking genitals. Like, I completely understand there's a difference, but both are bad. Now, that said, um, I think the the piece of this that I want to take away from it is that we can now officially say with no hesitation that everything with Chicote is fake Indian bullshit because of his background is literally some made up rubber tree people who were uplifted by sky people from the Delta quadrant. That's where his background is. Then throw no, throw all of your caution to the wind when describing Chicote's back you know, cultural uh, heritage from this point forward. The next time that fucking smallpox blanket comes out with his goddamn digital peyote, let's be savage because they did it to their damn selves with this. Let's talk about the B story real quick. Uh, And that is the delightful four minutes. Yeah, that's nice. The doctor's real cold to uh, what's her name? The pregnant Uh, one. Ensign Wildman. Wildman. She's in there because uh, the baby's leaning up against her sciatic nerve. Which is a thing babies do. My wife went through it. It sucks. And uh, he's real like, eh, deal with it. You're an adult. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. And the doctor comes up with his own um, plan. And it's to shut the crew's winding up by subjecting himself to the flu. So he can show everybody how it's done like a champ. And uh, predictably, it goes awry. You know, he starts off strong. Everything's going good. And he's, you know, real pedagogue uh, leading by example. But this flu is supposed to run for 29 hours or no 30 hours. And he's sitting at 31 hours and now it's a red alert situation. He's demanding the, uh, the, I almost said the prince. He's demanding that the, uh, <laughs> the captain sends down someone to start looking at his code. Uh, because now we're outside the confines of, a an experiment. Now we're for real sick and now there's an impact. And, and as, uh, he's, He's playing this experiment idea off of Cass, who's the one who's kind of taken aback by his lack of empathy and suggests to him that he doesn't understand what it is to be sick. So that's why he gets inspired to do this and uh, and a fun coda to it, because they don't spend long on the B plot. It's quick. You get Robert Picardo really like solid overacting on the cold in a fun way. 
and the way he does it, and the way he changes his voice inflection and that sort of thing. Um, that while he's now like broken down and begging for help and, you know, Kess is supplying him, you know, that soothing empathy, which is of course the lesson that he's trying to teach him. Uh, and Ensign Kin comes down. She's like, Oh no, he'll be fine in a couple hours. I extended the program and just lets it rip. So yeah, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. I did it because how are you going to learn a lesson? If you knew when it was going to end, the whole point is when you're sick and you're feeling terrible, you don't know when it's going to end. And that's what causes some of the need for comfort that you should be providing. The, yeah, the picky, lesson is it's learned. a little concerning that, you know, again, a visitor on the ship with no security clearance can reprogram the EMH, but whatever. Yeah. It's, it's campy stuff out of uh, Picardo, but I think it, it works very that's well. Fun, though. I'll take fun. Campy anytime. I hell, I loved sure. the, the damn D and D episode where he's, you know, the, the heroic, uh, legend seeking, you know, Viking dude making out with Valkyries and shit. Can't be I fun. thought it was cool that they were able to involve the sick bay scene with Neelix there getting uh, his face healed up after that eagle almost ripped his fucking eyeball out. And a line they throw out there, which I had forgotten about, you know, the doctor's like, you're lucky that Hawk didn't get your eyeball because we don't have any extra Talaxian uh, eyeballs laying around. And I was like, well, you can't just replicate them one up. And then I was like, oh, right, you can't because you couldn't do his lungs. And then I remembered him and Kess only have one lung apiece. That's true. I, if you got to be careful, man, I wouldn't be going any way. Anytime I might have to run away from danger or breathe deeply, I would not be doing that shit if I was Neelix. Unless uh, these, does that also mean that Neelix's lung is going to like rot out in eight years and just? Oh yeah, I mean, this is all stuff I remember talking about when we had that Vidian episode. Remember, he only got the lung because the Vidians have super medical technology and put it in there mm-hmm. for him. And yeah, like because Kess has got a pretty firm expiration date. They never really talk about if her her organs that are donated are going to have an expiration date as well. I don't think those lungs are built for longevity. It would be pretty funny if there's like a after like some, some extension of star Trek in the future. And they're like, Oh, where's Neelix? Oh, he died. Apparently he had some space mayflies lung in him and it just kind of rotted out one day. And he just, you know, perished. He wandered off seconds of no respiration. He wandered off while exploring some uh, caves and was incapacitated. And before they could find him, it was just a bad time for that lung to flare up and and go bum on him. Uh, I'm going to call this episode a total loss. I don't think it really brought anything worthwhile to the table. The the doctor stuff was a drop in the bucket. This might even dethrone a low joke. Yeah, I would say this is more than a total loss, Peter. I'd say this was an active detriment. I think that uh, this... The, the way they treated Chicote's backstory was even more insulting than allowing our minds to wander. Um, it was a interesting idea taken in the completely wrong direction, uh, incompetently executed on every possible level and put forth to the, to the viewer with a smile on their face saying we nailed it. It's it's uh, the very worst the show can be. And I hated every moment of it. Yeah, I got several times. I'm just like, you know, just fucking gag me. And well, what do we got to do next? What's our next episode, Peter? I'm so excited. I'm so ready. This is going to be season two, episode number 10, Cold Fire. The picture I'm looking at Netflix has uh, another guy who also looks like Kevin Nealon 
uh, groping Kess from behind and like slow dancing up onto her. Ten months after the caretaker stranded Voyager in the Delta Quadrant, the ship encounters the alien's mate at a station full of Okampa. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Now we're getting some meta plot this, action. This might not be a fucking uh, slow motion train wreck here. I, I'm i excited for that, man. Uh, yeah. Predictions. Did we do predictions for this episode? We knew Chicotay was going to be the worst, and we just were like, nah. <laughs> can't, can't, can't beat the master. Who's going to be the worst for something where we've actually got some good meta plot going? I'm going to vote Janeway. She botched her first caretaker encounter. I think she's going to go for uh, a repeat. You know, I took the dark horse pick uh, for persistence of vision and and got it. And I feel like. I have to try and honor that because I want to pick Janeway as well. I think Mm Janeway is probably the right pick, but an effort to differentiate and an effort to really try and round out the cast. I'm going to say Kess. She's been doing so good, though, man. You really want to go in there? Kess is yet to really, really disappoint her. I can't hang a low gem on her. That was just a bad script. All right, I'm going to lock in Kess. I'm going to put it on my notes here. Put it in. Lock it in. I'm going to see here. Janeway and Kess. I was really surprised when that shuttle made it down to the surface without especially since it was getting hit by lightning and everything. I was like, oh, we got to... I started counting the back episodes. I'm like, man, we're up to six accidents now. We got him in there uh, like fucking storage cubes. We need a bookie <laughs> for some illegal internet betting on shuttlecraft accidents. Uh, I really did not want to give this episode a rule of acquisition. This was yeah, bottom it's not worthy. three. This is one of the worst three. But, man... I read this one and it was just too good to pass up given uh, given all the bullshit, hokey, religious stuff we've seen out of uh, Chakotay so far. This is one of the unnamed rules of acquisition. Uh, a good lie is easier to believe than the truth. Very accurate. I uh, <clears throat> I can't believe that I we should talk for an hour and eight minutes about this, Peter. I feel like we deserve an award. I feel like everyone who listens to us should should apologize uh, to us uh, for for forcing us to do this and entertain them in this way. Um, I will trade in any sort of uh, due reward or apology from the audience if uh, I can instead just get people to pass along the hate and, and refer someone to check us out. If you feel bad about what we've had to go through, share (laughs) our podcast, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, share knowledge of us elsewhere. And by that, you will spread out the the pain in a way that will lessen our suffering. And then untrue, because they could find one of the uh, fans for one of these other podcasts out there and alleviate them from pain and suffering and bring them over to our side of the fence, or maybe they could have some fun with this. That's true. Uh, until next time, friends, this has been Vijith. Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. I'm Joseph. I'm Peter. And we will see you next week.